Unions, Dennis Bayon. In Western countries and most of the world, the principal worker unions are opposed to the idea of economic degrowth for historical and pragmatic reasons. Since it became obvious that no proletarian revolution would happen, labor unions have been acting as reformist organizations committed to full employment and increasing the workers' share from economic growth. In industrialized countries, this strategy proved quite successful between 1950 and 1980. As a consequence, Social inequality and poverty decreased greatly. Even though some class struggle unions kept on fighting for the development of non-capitalist institutions, for example social security, public services and health, education, culture, etc., they never criticized economic growth and the industrial and social division of labor, nor any of the major subsequent environmental impacts. The violence of the crisis of capitalism, especially since 2008, has led labor unions in two directions. On the one hand, confronted with the destruction of employment and historically high increase in bankruptcies, the big unions appear less open than ever to the thematics of degrowth or of shared frugality. In the short term, they have concentrated all their efforts on defending workers' employment and wages, and they have supported economic policies which are supposed to boost growth. On the other hand, however, new alliances are also emerging between some unions and degrowth activists. Not surprisingly, These connections involve small, even marginal unions historically opposed to the reformist strategies of big unions or dissident sections within major unions. Most of them are rooted in the revolutionist syndicalist movement or are at least implicitly influenced by it. Examples are the Confédération Nationale du Travail or the Union Syndicale Solidaire in France and the Confédération Générale de Trabajo in Spain with uh, 65,000 members, the largest libertarian union in the world. A pro-degrowth stance is thus clear within the French CNT Union, which recently declared the defense of the environment implies the fight against capitalism. Our labor class union is ecologist and in favor of degrowth. For the Spanish CGT Union, the exploitation of both nature and labor imposes a similar strategy of class struggle that could draw from the idea of degrowth. At odds with the theory defended by reformist unions as well as capitalist ideologists, That growth creates conditions for a more cohesive society. CGT denounces the slave's way of life, imposed by mass production and consumption. The union points out the risk of a forced economic degrowth because of the overexploitation of natural resources, which is likely to take place in brutal conditions. The violence of the economic recession in Greece or Spain since 2008 may well prefigure such a social and economic collapse. Of course, these revolutionary unions If they don't want to lose their modest influence, also have to fight for employment in the economic sectors where it is threatened if they don't want to lose their modest influence. As a result, they may find themselves defending jobs even when these are ecologically and ethically questionable – car industry, nuclear plants and toxic factories. But these are precisely the difficulties the degrowth movement has to face when it moves away from academia or small groups of activists and engages in the daily reality of the millions of workers in the industry, agriculture and the public or private service sectors. Wage earners in industry, services or administration are neither the owners of capital nor the masters of their own work. Unlike farmers, who can develop agroecological practices on their own farms, initiate cooperative links with consumers, wage earners cannot act as producers in the direction of degrowth. 
There are few signs, however, as we can hope, that limits are reached in the sacrifices asked of workers reaching their limits, and the current crisis creates a suitable context for the re-emergence of worker-run cooperatives, supported by unions after occupations and strikes to oppose redundancies or fire sales. Examples include the VOMI plant in Greece, the New Era Windows Factory in Chicago, production of tea in Scope Tea, and ice cream in La Belle Art in France, and more than 300 factory workshops in Argentina. Once tools are increasingly in workers' hands, one may expect that ecological and health issues in the workplace will raise to prominence considering the growing concern for occupation diseases. As far as we know, the Spanish CGT is the only union that provides a stimulating reflection on the links between work and degrowth, a result of its cooperation with the association Ecologistas en Acción. In an interesting document of the union, work is given a broad definition since it applies not only to the use of nerves, muscles, brain that legitimates the wage paid by private or public bosses, but also to domestic or collective work. This includes the work people do for themselves or the work that is carried out for self-reproduction. This approach challenges the traditional opposition between labor, work and action, and thus differs clearly from contemporary theories known as criticism of labor. Considering the reality of the exploitation of the labor force, some unionists want to free concrete work from the domination of capitalism, in other words, the abolition of the labor market. Indeed, there is a growing class conflict in European countries which is trying to enlarge the area of human activities that can justify a wage. For example, an unemployed person should be considered a worker in the double sense that he or she doesn't get any property incomes and that seeking a job, healthcare and domestic tasks are work. Therefore, all the unemployed should earn a salary and not a minority of them as it is now the case because of the limits and restrictions that apply to unemployment and other benefits, currently threatened by neoliberal policies. That's why, even within big unions, there are growing demands for professional social security and for guaranteed decent wages for all workers, employed or not. Unlike the demand for basic income, this proposal could be implemented through a reinforcement of existing institutions of social security already effective in most developed countries. Considering the increase of poverty produced by the economic crisis, such claims should be priorities, as they would put an end to the employment blackmail to which workers are subjected by massive unemployment while questioning the sense and finality of human work. Such a conception of work suggests that the end of labor is a prerequisite for the degrowth project. As the economy of growth appears as a vast accumulation of environmental noisances, economic degrowth, as viewed by radical unionists, would involve a massive reduction of production and the destruction of employment. In other words, a destruction of labor exploited by capital. But work would still exist. No longer dominated by capital, human work could generate, with new tools or an alternative use of some of the existing machines, a more cooperative and sustainable society. If work were under the control of workers, human work would be much more likely to be environmentally friendly, since under capitalism's property rules and the imperative of growth, labor is forced to be environmentally harmful. Therefore, Degrowth appears as a potential path to the end of the exploitation of both nature and human work by capital. A common goal for degrowth activists and radical, if not all, unionists.